Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about JS, JavaScript, frameworks, and we are going to touch the topic, the fall and rise of JS. So I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Chris Ferdinand. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. We chatted a little bit. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, each day is good. Uh, each moment is awesome if you set up the positive mindset. So <laughs> just uh, just cheat your mind, even if it's not right, because if you cheat it, you can feel much happy and go ahead. So before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about JS uh, frameworks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Chris Ferdinandi. Uh, I help people learn JavaScript. Um, and I believe that there's a simpler, more resilient way to make things for the web. Um, so a big part of what I do is help um, early career developers, people who are looking to move into development from other fields, get started. Um, and one of, the, uh, one of the big things I hear from them a lot, and one of the things that really drives me to do the work I do, um, is kind of this idea that uh, this work has gotten a lot more complicated than it used to be. Um, I think sometimes that, uh, that actually kind of hurts the web in the long run. And so I spend a lot of my time trying to teach people ways that we can build things that are easier to build, easier to maintain, are going to stick around, uh, for a lot longer. And, um, for those of you who are trying to maintain or run businesses, um, also help your business be more successful, um, not crash, not go down at those critical, critical times when you need it not to, um, a big part of what I do um, is every every day I have a um, a newsletter that goes out, uh, sharing a development tip, trick, interesting thing I found from uh, from on the web. Uh, if anybody's interested uh, in that or other topics that we're going to talk about, they can find out more at gomakethings.com/slash/unmiss. I've put together a special collection of resources for viewers of this stream. Yeah, nice, nice. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below on Apple, Spotify, Google, on my website, on uh, my social media. So, yeah. Okay, let's start from the basic. Uh, can you tell uh, uh, about JS framework? Uh, how to choose the right one? Because uh, I know that we have some popular uh, frameworks like Vue, React, and many others. And uh, we have some uh, unrecognizable, but probably with their advantages. Can you tell how to choose the right one and some basic information uh, for someone who is not familiar, including me, you know, about JS? Just uh, sure. tell what is it and how to choose the right one. Yeah, yeah, it's a broad question. So let me just, um, just take a step back for a second. So yeah. um, I think there's this perception that you, um, if you're building something for the web, you absolutely need a framework. And that is very much not true. Um, I'd actually argue that a lot of times you don't even need JavaScript. Um, so uh, if you look at the kind of the three parts of what makes a website a website, um, HTML is what gives it kind of the structure and uh, kind of defines what different pieces of the page are. So like an H1 element or an H2 element, those are headings. Um, you know, that, that denote, this is the start of a section of stuff. Um, buttons are obviously buttons and links are links that take you to places. Um, CSS is the, st the stuff that gives it um, 
and appearance. So if you didn't have any CSS, you would just have like a wall of text. You can make it look pretty. Um, uh, and you can also do some pretty cool stuff with CSS. Um, and then JavaScript has historically been the part of that stack that gives your website interactivity. Um, so user does a thing, the website does something back in response. Um, and a lot of what we build, even if you're building something like an e-commerce site, um, does not need much JavaScript to function. Technically, you can build an e-commerce site without any JavaScript at all. Um, uh, they sometimes work a little bit nicer if they have some. Um, but so uh, where JavaScript really shines is when you want your website to react to things that the user does um, without having to reload the entire page. Uh, so you know, a good example of this, I'll keep harping on e-commerce sites just for a minute, but so uh, you, know, you have a page with a bunch of products, someone hits add to cart. The, uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's gonna have a dog that might yip in the background. Mine is very chatty. Um, <laughs> so the old school way to do that would be someone clicks the button, the entire page reloads, something happens on the server, and then you get back this page that has, you know, your little cart icon in the corner with the new number of items. With JavaScript, you could do something like you click that button, it runs some process in the background while the web page stays exactly the way it is, and then just updates that one little piece of the page for you. So where, um, where JavaScript frameworks become handy is if you have a large page with a lot of moving parts, um, rather than having to target all of these different elements and make all these small updates, uh, libraries allow you to say, if my data that defines how the page should look looks like this, do this thing. If it looks, oh my God, you have multiple dogs, they're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> if it looks like that, do this instead. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, imagine you have a situation where you've got a, um, uh, you know, you've got your checkout page and you've got like half a dozen items in someone's cart and someone clicks to remove an item or update a quantity. There's a few different things on that page you're going to want to update in response. The number of items displayed in the cart icon in the corner, you're going to want to remove the remote, that row from the table. Let's imagine they end up emptying their entire cart. Now you need to display some completely different message that says you have no items in your cart. Like click here to go, you know, shop for stuff. Um, and libraries allow you to not have to say, okay, if this, do this, or look for this element, if it's there, do this, if not, do this other thing. And instead you just say, if they have items in their cart, display them like this. If they don't, mm -hmm. display this message instead. And then the library just figures out all the other stuff for you. And that can be really, really nice. Um, so just at a very high level, that's kind of, when I start to reach for a library of any kind, is when I'm making more than just a couple of updates based on some sort of like data or like state is the, the buzzword for this of the page. Um, E-commerce platforms are a really nice way to describe this because you might have like an object of cart item, you know, items in your cart. Like I've got these five items and quantities and some data that goes along with it. Um, so I will pause for a sec because I just, I, I have more to ramble about this, but if you have any questions or any reactions to anything I've said, I'd like to, Shut up or I'll just go forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you tell how to choose the right uh, framework? Uh, because, uh, yeah, yeah uh, on Google, I can find uh, the popular ones, a lot of reviews. But what about mm -hmm. unrecognizable that probably yeah. have their advantages? Just tell more about choosing. Yeah. So 
the question then becomes obviously, as you said, you know, so you've decided it's time to use one. Which one do you pick? Um, uh, it depends. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so there's a few, there's a few different things to consider. So one, one question is, are you using some sort of existing platform already? Do they have something already baked in or like a preference? So just as an example, WordPress already has React baked in because they use it on the back end now for the user or the administrative dashboard. So if you were going to build some sort of interactive front end on the WordPress platform, it might make sense to just grab React because it's already kind of mm -hmm. baked in. Um, uh, are you looking to use some other developers to help you? Do, do they have experience with one tool over another? So, you know, that, that kind of context is one consideration. Um, another one, if you're planning to do it yourself, is just which one do you find easier to wrap your head around? Uh, Vue and React approach building user interfaces very differently. Um, and for some people, one mental model clicks better than the other. And it's not uh, React is always easier or Vue is always easier. It just really varies by the person and how they learn and how they think about kind of data and, and interfaces. Um, and I am a big fan of um, using the tool that helps you go from I have an idea to I've built a thing as quickly as possible. So um, uh, there was a time where I was very much like a purist about this. Um, but I, I think now it's much more important to, to go from there's this thing I want to build, I've built it, um, uh, than picking the exact right thing. So that's one aspect of this. But the other, um, the other piece here is that uh, both React and Vue, um, they have a lot of code. And that means a lot of places for things to go wrong, a lot of JavaScript that has to be downloaded by the browser and loaded into the website before it can start rendering things into the user interface. Um, and uh, a lot more points where things can break for your users. So if you're someone who is running some sort of business, an e-commerce platform, uh, uh, a shop, a video streaming site, a membership site, whatever it happens to be, um, the, more, the more JavaScript you use, the more chances there are for things to go wrong, and uh, the less like, resilient the thing that you've built is. Um, there's also a lot of data around web performance and revenue. So just as a general rule, sites that are slower make less money. Um, people are more mm -hmm. likely to leave. Um, uh, if it takes too long for certain things to happen on a page, they'll just give up and go somewhere else. Um, and so there's kind of this new suite of tools that have come out in the last year or two that work very similar to how things like Vue and React work, but they do it with less code. Um, so they load faster, they render updates faster. Um, one of the most notable ones is Preact, which if you were going to choose React, I would go with Preact instead because it's about a tenth the size and renders your UI a lot faster. Um, uh, <clears throat> Evan Yu, the guy who built Vue, also built this other tool called Petite Vue that does some of the stuff that Vue does, but not all of it, and is also like a fraction of the size. So that'd be a really good choice as well, um, depending. Um, uh, and then, yeah, there's, there's some other kind of alternate tools that are also smaller. Um, and so I, I, I know the question was, how do you pick the right one? Um, so, uh, <laughs> there is no like cut and dry kind of answer here. Um, you know, the other angle here is, is, um, you know, I talked to a lot of people who are just looking for 
work. They, they, you know, maybe they're starting a freelance business and they want to, they want to get hired building websites for people. Um, or they want to go work for an agency. Uh, if you're doing that, um, I do have a much more direct answer for this one and it's learn react. Um, uh, react is probably the market leader right now. I don't think it will be in another five years, but it is right now. Um, and that means that if you just want the easiest path into, you know, like I can find job descriptions that have skills that I have, that's probably like your surest bet. Um, uh, but things are changing. So I suspect in another couple of years, we're going to have a very different kind of web environment than we do right now. Nice, nice. I think uh, that's good for customers, for us, you know, <laughs> when we have <laughs> such competition, when right. we have choices. So yeah, why not? It's better to spend some time. Uh, for example, if I choose CMS or uh, any other stuff, I just spend time researching, learning and think what actually works much better for me. So it depends, as you mentioned. <laughs> okay, uh, you know, uh, I asked uh, my audience questions. Uh, you know, uh, what kind of questions uh, to ask you? Uh, okay. And they asked me uh, which JS framework are good for slow internet. Can you reply, reply to this? Yeah, so this is where, this is actually kind of what I was getting at towards the tail end of my last answer. Um, really great question. So. Um, the best framework for slow internet is no framework at all. If you can avoid using JavaScript or libraries, at least frameworks in your kind of loads into the browser code, you're much better off for it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the reason why is um, uh, JavaScript is the slowest part of kind of that front end stack of HTML, CSS and JavaScript um, just as a scripting language. Uh, like for HTML and CSS, the browser will download stuff. And as it's downloading it, it starts rendering the UI. But with JavaScript, um, it actually doesn't do that. Uh, it, um, because JavaScript can change what's on the page and browsers are lazy and don't want to do any work that they don't have to, when they see JavaScript, they stop downloading all the other files. So like normally they'll download multiple files at once. When they see a JavaScript file, they stop and they wait for that one file to download. Then they have to wait until the whole thing is downloaded compile it, read through it once just to figure out what it's going to do before they even start running it. Um, and then they'll start rendering. And so if you're on a slow internet connection, that process can really, really, really slow down a page. And so the, the, the takeaway there is the less JavaScript you can use, the better. So with that in mind, um, a tool like Preact or Petite View, or um, there's a new competitor on the market, SolidJS, um, that's going to be better than one of the bigger, more traditional ones like Vue or React or Angular, just by virtue of them being smaller. Um, the other kind of piece of this, and uh, actually kind of the, I think the meat of what I was hoping we could talk about a little bit today, um, but obviously viewer questions, happy to go through those first, um, is that um, there is a newer set of tools that I'm seeing start to gain popularity that I think is going to replace JavaScript libraries entirely. Um, that uh, rather than sending libraries to the browser, allows you to build websites the way you would with a library. And then you run some sort of compile step that takes that JavaScript and converts it into mostly HTML with just a little bit of JavaScript sprinkled on top. Um, and so the thing that gets shipped to the browser is much, much smaller. Um, uh, so some examples of that um, include um, 
Uh, so if you're looking at legacy technologies, you have things like Next.js that allow you to write React on the server, but they still ship a ton of JavaScript down the line. Um, you have newer tools like Svelte um, and Astro, which uh, give you a kind of React-like authoring experience, but sends stuff that's not React to the browser. Um, Astro in particular is really cool because um, it allows you to use code from different libraries. So you can take some Vue stuff, some React stuff, some Svelte stuff, put it all together, and it will spit out a, um, uh, a mostly HTML website with just like, it'll just pull out the parts that you need, which is really cool. Um, and these things can be a huge performance win. Uh, so Jason Langsdorf uh, is a developer over at Netlify. Um, he actually experimented with converting one of his old React sites into an Astro site. He was able to use almost all the code. He just had to make a couple of tweaks. Um, and it ended up reducing the amount of JavaScript by 90%. And um, the page got 30, it loaded like 30% faster. Um, so uh, yeah. this is all just a really long-winded way of saying avoid using JavaScript whenever you can, ship as little of it as possible. Um, I really like these newer tools that allow you to write websites the way you'd like, but then they ship mostly HTML to the browser. Um, HTML is always, always, always faster. Um, actually, hold on, just, uh, just give me a sec. I just wanna pull up this one, one little data point here, if I can find it. Um, so Zach Leatherman, uh, who built, um, so he built this static site generator called 11T. He works at Netlify as well. Um, and he is a performance specialist. Um, he, uh, he did this really wild experiment a couple of years ago where he, um, uh, he built a website with a single, um, uh, well, so he built two websites. I apologize. One of them was an eight and a half megabyte large HTML file with the full text of every single one of his 27,000 plus tweets in it. And the other one was a React website with just one tweet in it. And he did some performance tests to find out which one would load and render faster. Um, the, uh, the eight and a half megabyte just HTML site was um, like perceivably faster, not, not a whole second. It was like a fraction of a second, but it was enough that you could actually perceive the difference. Um, uh, even though it was like hundreds of times bigger than the React site, which is one file on it because JavaScript is that slow. Um, so yeah, uh, the best, the best framework is not using one at all. The second best framework is a compiler like Astro or Svelte or 11 mm -hmm. Um, and the next best thing after that is something like Preact or Petite View. Yeah, nice. So valuable. Yeah, uh, I, I got many uh, uh, the same tips. For example, uh, it's better to avoid using uh, WordPress plugins, but sometimes <laughs> we can't live without them. So yeah. it's it's yeah. hard to create the same plugin, yeah. you know, for uh, your website. So yeah, yeah. it depends. So now, so, to this point, if you have to, like if you're in a position where you need to, just for whatever reason, you don't have the skills or you need, you know, there's this tool that exists that, that just will make your life a lot easier. Um, this is where I find a tool like Astro.js so interesting because you can take all of these tools that you love and plug them in and it'll strip out all the stuff that's not needed and just send along something a lot smaller. Um, it re basically removes the the react dependency and allows you to use this tool uh mostly as is which is great um anyways i'll shut up i'm sure there are other questions i'm sorry i talking is my superpower
Yeah, yeah, we have the question. What are some problems you face working with JS frameworks? Yeah, um, so um, there are many. So full disclosure, I am I'm the vanilla JS guy, so I tend to avoid using frameworks whenever, whenever possible. <laughs> okay. um, the, the reason for that, um, uh, you know, beyond some of the stuff we've already talked about, um, is uh, I just really hate that building websites today often involves open opening some sort of like terminal or command line window and running running some stuff before you can actually build i really like being able to open a text editor and open a browser and just build websites um uh and so for i think for me some of the biggest problems that i run into when i try to use lots of third-party tools not just javascript frameworks is bad documentation um kind of running into edge cases where um you know you have to dig through a bunch of github issues or questions and answers on stack overflow or reddit to try and find someone who's run into the same problem and can fix it um uh having to muck around with terminal commands instead of being able to just focus on the thing i love doing which is writing code um mm -hmm. i know i already mentioned this but it is literally i think the biggest problem in development bad documentation uh it's just bad documentation ruins so many things. And I think, uh, I think this is where certain tools tend to really win over others. Um, uh, the, the libraries that I think end up being most popular are often the ones that have the best documentation, um, yeah. for better or worse. They're not always the best tools. They're just, uh, if they're, if they're well-documented, they're going to win. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, got it. Well done. Okay. Uh, it's another broad question. Uh, what are the best front end GS frameworks? Of course it depends, uh, but yeah, yeah. So we, um, I, I feel like we kind of already covered this one a little bit with the, um, uh, you know, how do you choose the right one? Um, but so yeah, the, the, the best one is not at all. Um, uh, the second best one, honestly, if I had, if I had to pick just one tool to use for the rest of my life when it comes to web development, it would be something like 11 D. Um, uh, so 11D is a static site generator. Um, it allows you to take uh, take markdown files and take some templates you've created and mash them together. So it works a little bit like WordPress, if anybody has familiarity with that, where you've got your templates and your database and it smushes them together. Uh, the difference is that 11D and other tools like it do that mashing together of content and templates ahead of time so that when someone visits your site, they just instantly get the thing they want back. Whereas a tool like WordPress is building these HTML files in real time whenever they're requested. Um, and so when you cut that process out, uh, you can run your sites on much cheaper hosting and uh, everything runs a lot more smoothly for end users. Um, uh, but yeah, barring that, um, uh, probably something like Astro or, <laughs> or Svelte mm -hmm. um, or, um, uh, if you really, truly need client-side reactivity, preact. Mm -hmm. But it depends. Yeah. There really is no best. There's just a bunch of tools that approach the same problem in different ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Let's talk about uh, training web developers. I found on your LinkedIn profile that you have some training, <laughs> you have newsletter. For example, I found uh, from my experience, uh, 
if I teach my customers how SEO works, we can get much higher results. Because if they don't understand, the best coach, the best uh, mentor can help to get traffic. But when you understand, it's the same like, I don't know, lose weight. If you don't know uh, why you need to eat healthy food, uh, train hard, uh, spend uh, time, uh, I don't know, to rest a lot more. Uh, and it's hard. Uh, the best coach can uh, teach you why you need to do it. You need to understand. Uh, then you can consider some suggestions and uh, to get results in the long run. It, it's not uh, simple. But, you know, uh, and uh, I use the same approach with my customers. I tell them, okay, just learn the basics of SEO. If you understand the basics, we can create high quality content. We can rank higher on Google. We can provide uh, link building campaigns. But if you uh, find some specialists who just promise without uh, understanding the process, it's hard. It's really hard to get results. Can you give me a strong reason or uh, if, uh, for my audience to uh, subscribe to your newsletter, uh, to uh, spend time with your uh, training programs? Uh, what kind of benefits we can get compared to others? Just more insights about your training. Yeah, yeah, great question. So um, uh, you can find all of my stuff for lack of a better word over at go make things.com. Um, I, um, uh, there's a, there's a few different angles to the way that, <laughs> uh, to the way that I tend to, um, uh, teach people code. Um, the, well, so I guess upfront, one aspect of this is I have ADHD attention, uh, hyperactivity, def Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, and so that means for me that if I find something really interesting, I can focus on it to the exclusion of everything else, including like eating lunch, going to the bathroom, like I'll just tunnel vision. Um, but uh, if I find something boring or if there's too much information being thrown at me at once, uh, it's really, really hard to focus and get stuff done. And a lot of that has, I think, influenced the way that I build training programs, teach people things. Um, I tend to focus on really short lessons and then throw you into actually working on a problem, um, uh, building something, actually like getting hands-on with the code. Um, it's just a bias I have that's helped me kind of learn and helped information stick. And one of the really nice uh, side effects I've found of that is that apparently a lot of other people find that a really great way to learn too. Um, and so uh, it's, it's worked out pretty well. Um, and so my, my stuff from my books all the way up to my big immersive workshops all follow this very similar pattern of learn a little, do a little, learn a little, do a little repeat. Um, and it's, uh, you know, just, you mentioned, you mentioned training Anatoly and like, you know, eating well and things like that. Um, it's really that same kind of pattern. Like you wouldn't go and try to deadlift two times your body weight the first time out. You'd start with something really small and work your way up. Um, and uh, learning to code is exactly the same way. Um, I think the biggest mistake I see a lot of people make is they go, oh, I want to code a web app. And they just try to jump right into that. Um, and they get stuck, they get frustrated, they quit. Um, so a lot of what I do is focused on let's start small and let's work our way up. Um, but uh, small doesn't have to mean boring. I also see a lot of training that's like, um, it's very, we're going to learn how JavaScript works under the hood. Um, and it's very like 
clinical and boring and easy to lose interest. Um, so I really, I just, you know, like we'll start with, okay, we're going to, we're going to build a plugin, something that you can go and use and, and like throw into a website today. Um, and then we're going to build on it. We'll add more features and we'll change the way it works. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, so that's, that's kind of the whole, the whole thing there. Um, so, um, you know, whether it's my newsletter, which is free to sign up for, or, uh, you know, my, my courses and books all the way up to my workshop. It's just very kind of hands-on. Okay, guys, you need to follow Chris. You need to subscribe to this newsletter to learn more about that because, yeah, you can see a lot of valuable insights. Uh, I have the question about, uh, you know, uh, I often have issue uh, when my customers can't find uh, uh, good web developers. They, it, it's hard, you know, for example, if I submit the request on Upwork or any other platforms, I get like many replies, I can do it. Uh, sorry for my dogs. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed mine has not been barking. We, uh, <laughs> anytime anyone uh, walks by the house, it's just mayhem. Yeah, and uh, you know, um, and for example, if I submit request on Upwork, I can get many replies. I can do it. I check out ratings, reviews. Everything is fine, but except results. You know, when, when you hire them, you know, uh, you get like mediocre, not good job. You know, low quality. Uh, I'm not against uh, specialists on Upwork or any other platforms, but it's really hard to choose the right one. Um, mm -hmm. It includes any niche. For example, if I'm looking for copywriters, designers, yeah, it's hard to find great specialists who can understand the task, who can provide great results. Can you tell from your experience how to do it, how to find the right web developers? Because I found that yeah. good web developers are busy. Uh, they usually <laughs> yeah. don't, uh, they, they are not looking for a job because they have a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell how to find uh, good web developers. Yeah, this is the same problem with finding like contractors to work on your home and stuff, right? Like the the ones who are available are probably not very good and like the good ones are too busy to take on take on the work. Um so um yeah, I whenever I've I've needed kind of specialist help, I tend to um I tend to ask around. I think it's the same way most people look for kind of skilled professionals. You ask around, ask for referrals. Um uh, sometimes that means waiting a little bit, um, uh, a big, but to be perfectly honest, a big part of the reason why I started learning how to code in the first place was I wanted to, I wanted to build things based on some ideas I had and I didn't want to like have to wait for or rely on other people to do it. So I started teaching myself to code. Um, uh, yeah, I think one of the other, one of the other aspects here is there's, um, there's a difference between a developer and like a, I'm trying to think of the right word for the other thing I want to say here, but like a specialist or an expert or a consultant, but like, so there's a lot of people who can write the code that you've told them to write, but you may not necessarily know how to kind of tell them what to do. Like there are people who are really good at just like taking, taking the orders and spitting out what they think you told them to do. Um, like the code is good, but it may not actually meet the objective you want. And this is where I think finding specialists who are experts in whatever the thing you are trying to do is can make a really big difference. So for example, um, uh, you know, I'm in a, a business group 
with people who specialize in, um, uh, you know, one of them is helping, uh, you know, working with, with wedding officiants. So people who, um, you know, who work in the wedding industry and, and oversee weddings and they, they are really good at building web things for people who work in the wedding industry because they understand that industry really well. And it goes beyond, I can write good code. It's, it's moved into the level of, I can solve problems specific to your business. So when you say to me, I need, um, uh, you know, I need a way to make ordering flowers easier for my customer their brain doesn't immediately go, you need a React app and you need this kind of, they go into like, okay, what does that process look like for you know a couple who's getting married? Okay, here are the kind of questions they're likely to ask. And so here's how we should design the, the checkout process to answer those questions ahead of time. So they pick the right flowers and the kind of things that would cause them to give up on the transaction won't happen. You know, like it's just, it's a whole different way of thinking about problems that has nothing to do with technology. Um, Finding those people, um, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a different kind of thing. If they're doing their job well, um, uh, you know, and their SEO is good and they focused on kind of building that reputation, um, you know, they, they should kind of maybe float to the top over some other folks. They're, to be honest, they're typically not on a platform like Upwork or Fiverr. Um, they're usually just kind of doing their own thing and you're going to want to Google for them. Um, and you're probably gonna search for things differently. So rather than I'm looking to build e-commerce, you might be looking for, um, you know, like, uh, like wedding specialist or, um, you know, sneaker e-commerce specialist or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, in my opinion, it's a very different way of kind of approaching problems. They also candidly tend to be a lot more expensive than something you're gonna find on Fiverr. And I know that's not always, or Upwork. And I know that's not always, um, affordable for you know customers at different kind of journeys in their process um uh sorry uh just as a tangent a lot of folks who do that also have lower end offerings as well so they might have some kind of just turnkey solutions or um you know do-it-yourself kind of guides or things like that that can be useful as well um, mm -hmm. I know that wasn't necessarily your direct question, um, but there is a little bit of a, like you get what you pay for kind of, kind of aspect here. Like you don't, you don't want to hire the cheapest plumber. Um, <laughs> at least if you yeah. value not having water in your home, you know, uh, I, I know if you are looking for the cheapest price, you're in trouble, you know, your yeah. project is in trouble. And yeah. I know, uh, for example, uh, I usually pay, uh, like three times more for copywriting. Uh, compared to Upwork, Fiverr, any mm. other platforms, because uh, good experts uh, will never write uh, text uh, because of the average price. No, they usually yeah. write according to their experience. And it's the same with web development. I know many projects failed because of uh, cooperating with uh, specialists who promise uh mm. high quality results but uh, they can't they can't and the price was the average or lower than the average so it's better to cooperate with someone who ask more and you can save your time you can increase the chance of getting results yeah from my experience i i always prefer to cooperate with uh, experience 
specialist with approval record. So if mm-hmm. I can check out their website, I can see portfolio. Oh, yeah, good job. So I, I want to cooperate with this specialist. Yeah, from my experience. Okay, I have the question about, um, uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about uh, frameworks? Yeah, so um, if I was starting just like completely from scratch, um, uh, I would um, uh, not touch a framework to start. Um, I've had a lot of students who have like, okay, I want to be a developer, I need to learn React. And they go try to learn React and they're like, I have no idea what to do here. Um, and then they're like, all right, maybe I should like back up and learn some of the essentials. And then they go to learn React like a few months later and they're like, oh, this is a lot easier now that I understand kind of how all these different pieces work. So my first piece of advice, don't try to learn a framework right away. You want to start with kind of those fundamentals because f- frameworks are awesome. They can do some really awesome things, but they are really tools that augment what the browser already does and kind of those those fundamental technologies and if you don't understand those some people don't have this experience some people have jumped right into say view and found it really easy um but a lot of folks folks find these tools much harder to learn when they don't understand kind of the the basics of web development so i would start with um uh you know learning those first if you don't already know like html and css i would start there um if you do I would start with um, maybe building some really simple projects in JavaScript. One of my favorites is uh, you've got you've got some content and a button. You click the content, the button gets hidden. You click the button again, it it shows up again. It's just it's a really simple kind of thing that gets you into the whole like it covers a lot of ground with how to how to get elements in a UI, how to toggle different things on them, how to handle interactivity. Um, uh, just like all the basics of DOM manipulation. Um, one of the toughest things I've found with learning how to code is um, <clears throat> uh, there's a lot of options. Anything you want to do, there's usually like a dozen different ways to do it. Um, and when you get stuck, knowing where to turn for help can be really, really difficult. Um, so if you find yourself in this position, um, I just kind of want to briefly um, mention uh, vanillajsprojects.com um, is a collection of self-paced courses I've put together. It's completely free. Um, uh, and each one includes a couple of lessons, a starting template for you, and then a walkthrough of how I approached and solved that problem. So if you get stuck, you can see me go through it and kind of figure that out. And each one builds on, on the other. So, you know, Anatoly, we talked a few minutes ago about kind of this idea of starting small and working your way up. Um, it's that same kind of thing. So we'll start with a really small project and then we'll layer in some stuff over time. Um, so, uh, really great way to get started um, if you're just kind of digging into this stuff. Um, and then once you've kind of gotten comfortable with some of the basics of, it's called DOM manipulation, but kind of changing things in the UI, um, then you might jump over to learning a library um, or a framework. And now with all that said, um, I personally think that Vue is of all of the front end frameworks, I think it's the easiest one to learn because it is mostly HTML with a little bit of JavaScript sprinkled on top. Um, uh, it's less common in a corporate environment though. And so, you know, if your biggest focus is getting hired to go work somewhere, you might wanna dabble with React first. And the React JS website has gotten a lot better at 
helping you get started from not knowing anything. Um, so they, they have some really great tutorials over there now. Uh, but I would learn the basics nice. first. Nice. Love it. Love it. Good tip. Uh, Chris, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you. You share a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, yeah. So the best way, gomakethings.com. Uh, if you go to gomakethings.com slash unmiss, um, I, you know, again, I put together a bunch of resources based on stuff that we've talked about here today, um, uh, articles, um, videos I've put together, a uh, handful of free eBooks and, and uh, resources, courses, things like that, um, as well as a place where you can sign up for my newsletter if you want to learn more. Um, that's kind of my home. Gomakethings.com is my home for all things on the web. So that's probably the best place to start. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. I love it, guys. You need to subscribe to newsletter. You need to open this website. You need to learn from Chris because you can see a lot of value. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.